All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms
Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is David Quadrelli. Joining me is Chris Faber. Before we start the show, we want to address what's going on in the United States right now and the Black Lives Matter movement. Chris, I'll let you open up with that. Yeah, um, it's, you know, we try and stick to sports with a lot of stuff. I don't put a lot of my political views, which I don't have a lot of anyways. Uh, I try not to put a lot of that on social media or on this podcast uh, but this is a situation that I do know a lot. Of, I, I do know that it's happening around the world. Police brutality towards people of color uh, is horrible. It's something that we see consistently, whether it's, you know, maybe not every single day we see it, but it is happening every single day. Um, not only in the United States, there's probably, you know, it's going on up here in Canada as well. Um, and I think that the people that are out there protesting right now, are doing the right thing because taking a knee didn't help when it was going on in football, you know, doing a peaceful protest, stepping away from things. None of that worked. Um, I think that this is finally something that is drawing the attention uh, of enough people. And I think what they're doing down there is great. I think that it's, it's been horrible. Uh, it's been hundreds of years that, that black people have been put into a worser situation than the rest of the world, especially in the United States. And, and I'm glad that people are stepping up. Uh, and protesting because this this has gotten to the point where things need to change. It's the year's 2020. You know, racism is is absolutely horrible. I think it's one of the most annoying things that I ever see uh, online is ra- is just seeing racism, and it's consistently out there. Uh, I'm glad that people are stepping up. Black Lives Matter, um, and what the police do is is just horrible. And they, you know, the police need to be policed. Uh, I don't know a ton about, you know, certain situations are going on around it. I mean, rest in peace, George Floyd. And I just think that I'm here to listen more than anything. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people need to do. Um, and if you aren't listening to what's going on, that's that's part of the problem as well. Um, so I know that we want to do our part um, and we're going to we're going to help donate a little bit of money here. Uh, Roxy Fever, our friends are over there doing a great job raising money for this situation. Uh, I don't know if you want to speak on it a little bit more. Yeah, so they've basically chosen four organizations um, w- regarding the Black Lives Matter movement, and we're going to be donating $100 from our Patreon money to those organizations, and we're also going to be encouraging our listeners to donate to those. I think those guys have raised over 5000 already. It's, a, yeah. it's awesome. And Incredible. you know what? I'll just say this, because, you know, Obviously, that's a horrible situation, but it's awesome what they're doing with this. And when you donate, uh, you tweet them the receipt. And I think it's Jackson writing them. will write you a very positive message. Um, you, you have to go look at them. It's hard to describe, but it's it's very cool. So, I mean, that shouldn't be a reason that you donate, but it's a nice little added bonus when you do donate that you'll get one of those uh, retweets or whatever that, that uh, Jackson's like, you know saying great stuff about you. It's, it's hilarious. But yeah, so I, we're encouraging our listeners to go do that. Uh, you can definitely find the tweet on our Twitter. We're going to be retweeting it like right now, basically. And then yeah. just saying, as mentioned on the show, these are the organizations that we've chosen to donate to. And again, we're, we're trying to help out uh, the Roxy Fever campaign. I think they've, like I said, I think they've raised well over $5,000 now, which is just awesome to see because most of that is from people on Canucks Twitter. So, I mean, it, it's really, really nice to see and we're very happy to help out with that. And, you know, we haven't even told them that we're doing this, so we should probably message Jackson after the show or something. But, <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I mean, Chris, if you don't have much else to add, I, I think I it's just time wanted to add because I, you know, I see a lot of people posting tweets about it. Uh, I, I feel like that's a, something that's not the way that I want to do. I wanted to do it on this podcast yeah, because yeah. Uh, it's just the way that I feel like I can actually say it with my voice. And I wrote something out I just want to read a little bit of. I just wanted to say thank you um, to the brave and inspiring people fighting the good fight for society. 
I've learned so much over the past few days, and it's shown that I'm not as aware as I thought I was. Uh, I stand mm. with everybody there. I stand for their rights. The police need to be policed, and right now these protests seem to be getting the attention that this problem deserves. It's you know it's 2020, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, we need to listen harder and choose to fight hate. Uh, I just wanted to say that on the podcast before we get started. And um, yeah, I don't know how we transition out of that, uh, well, but it's it's been incredible thing- seeing what people are doing online right now. Exactly. And one thing I want to add, and I think this could be beneficial for some people to hear because I I know it was for me, like, this isn't about being non-racist. Like, growing up, my, you know, my best friend was a black guy. And, you know, obviously I've never, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know how to, it was, it was just normal to me. It was never like, oh, my best friend's black, like, this is really cool. Like, no, he was just, he was like my best friend growing up. And, yeah. you know, we're still really close. Um, But it wasn't until now, like, we've been friends since we were like, six years old and it wasn't until now that we've started talking about the injustice that people um of his nationality face and we we've kind of opened up the dialogue and it was never there before like he obviously knew i wasn't racist and that i wasn't like you know that i didn't view him any differently um but it 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 was kind of eye-opening to hear his taste because I won't get into it too much, but there were some people that we know that were putting out some questionable stuff on social media. Um, so I reached out to him and asked how he felt about it, and we just had a really good conversation about it. Uh, yeah, he it, it, it was just it was just really positive, and that's what I kind of want to say. Like, this isn't about being non-racist; it's about fighting racism. It's about being anti-racist. You, like, obviously, it helps a little bit to not um, add to it by being racist, but again, this isn't the time for silence either no. yeah no i it's funny because I'm, I'm in a similar situation one of my best friends for the you know the longest time ever since we were in kindergarten together uh he's also black uh we went to his you know every day after school i went to his daycare uh that his family ran and you know i grew up that way ever you know from like age five to 12 we went there every day after school and i remember driving around with him when i got my n uh, and you know, that was like the new driver thing. I'm driving around with him. We'd just be like, it'd be at nighttime. We'd be going to get like Timbits or something stupid like that, that we do when you're 17. And I remember one time we got pulled over, uh, or I got pulled over. I was driving and the cop literally goes to the window, points at him and asks him what he was doing tonight. And I remember saying to the cop, I'm like, he's in the passenger seat of my car. And we wow. joked about it at the time. Right. But now looking back at it, it's like, wow, that's kind of strange. And I remember all the times that we were going out as like 19 and 20 year olds going to the clubs. And he would get a ticket almost every single night just for being out in the street and, you know, having drinks and stuff. And But I remember having to talk our way out of so many tickets with him because I'm good at talking to cops. But, like, you know, it's it's happening around us. And I'm happy that people are out there protesting. Um, and, yeah, we stand with everyone in that situation. So I, I, that's all I really have to say on the on the spot. We have, we have a lot of hockey talk uh, this episode and we have a lot of fun stuff coming up here. We don't want to say that, you know, sports is a distraction for us right now, but that's sort of what we're trying to do with the podcast. But we needed to address the Black Lives Matter situation. Uh, and yeah, we stand with everyone who's fighting the good fight for society right now. And we still have a lot to learn. Like we're, you yes. know, you and I are good, good listeners and we're really ready to learn about stuff like this. And I mean, you know, we've got a lot of friends who are uh, really informed on this topic and they've been teaching us stuff. And I mean, that's that's all you can do, right? Like keep yeah. keep an open mind. Listen to what everybody has to say. Listen to people who don't agree with you already and yes. see what you can learn because knowledge is key here. And I think that's a good place to close. So let's Absolutely. jump into some hockey talk. We're very pleased to be joined on this episode 
on a four-way call, actually, that we had a little bit of trouble <laughs> starting up. We were joking around that it was John Garrett's fault, but no, it was Chris's fault that we couldn't get him on the call. Uh, Dan Murphy of Sportsnet and John Garrett of Sportsnet joined the podcast, talked with us pretty extensively. We had a lot of fun with them. So after you hear that interview, you hear a couple ads from our... I don't think I mentioned that this podcast is brought to you by Parallel 49 Brewing Company. There you That's go. something I should have mentioned off the top. Cha-ching. Uh, You'll hear those, hear some ads uh, from our friends there and at Zephyr Epic and Manscaped. And then you will hear the final Ride in the Bus segment. Uh, those of you that don't know, Comets Corey, Corey Hergott is stepping away from covering the team for the time being, wants to spend a little more time with his family. Uh, we touch on that. We talk to Corey about uh, everything he's done over the past two or three years now. Uh, regarding the Comets. And it was a really fun chat. This is a good episode. On the other side of that, we will be talking about. Adam Gaudet, as we continue our restricted free agent talk. Keep it locked and loaded on Canucks Conversation. Here is Dan Murphy and John Garrett. All right, guys, joining us now for this special double interview. I think this is the first time we've ever done this on the Canucks Conversation. Uh, we are joined by two-thirds of the Canucks broadcast. It's John Garrett and Dan Murphy. Cheech, let's start with you. How you doing today? I'm doing very, very well, and it's nice that you've got the best two-thirds of the broadcast with a good-looking guy and a smart guy. Absolutely. We definitely picked it because of that. Murph, how's the Friday treating you so far? It's good. I haven't had to homeschool quite yet, so I'm mentally preparing myself for that. Uh, but other than that, uh, no real reasons to complain. And let's be honest, if Shorty was asked, he would say no anyway. So. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I actually had him and Cheech on, I think, last summer, and... Uh, and John, I mean, Cheech answered my email within a few hours. I think uh, Shorty took probably about two weeks for me to set up that interview. So uh, I wasn't going to try it last minute like I did to get Cheech here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting point, guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get you guys both on here because it's it's so much fun to watch you guys' broadcast every, you know, every single Canucks game. And, and I'm wondering, I kind of want to just jump right into it there. If, if we get back to broadcasting, and, and Quads and I were kind of joking about this before, uh, is there any chance that you guys are going to be able to come back and get involved with it? Well, I, I can start with this. I, I'm guessing my role will be almost non-existent because I, I'm, I don't think that we'll be allowed in the buildings. Hmm. So any form of interviews um, uh, likely will have to come either via headset if yeah. they put them on the players um, so I'll probably be reduced to more of a reporting role. And even then, if it's a, a hub cities in the States, we'll be able to go down and come back without quarantining. There's so many, uh, so many questions. But uh, if they plan on doing some of these calls regionally, then I, I'm guessing, Cheech, you guys might have, a, might have a chance to call the games. Yeah, but probably from monitors. Like yeah. uh, you were talking about, Dan is... Uh, they're not going to let the broadcasters into the hub cities. They've already said that. And uh, it'll be a common feat for the reporters, as Murph was saying. Uh, they can't have a, a swarm like a uh, the usual, you know, reporters after where you get the players and they're down by the dressing rooms or any of that. You can't have that. They'll be at podiums and probably a common feat. And so they're already talking about for the broadcasters that, uh, we'd be in a studio someplace, whether it be Vancouver, Toronto, or wherever, and uh, call the games off monitors, which is, I've done it before. Uh, it, it's just not very good because you can't see the play. You, you're at the mercy of some cameraman who is mm. following the play uh, with a tight shot, and you can't see what's happening. 
Yeah, we were kind of joking around about what it would look like if you guys were there. Like, what's the intermission segments going to look like? Like, obviously, Murph, you usually have either Sat or Walker or uh, Ian McIntyre uh, there, and we were kind of joking around that maybe it'd be good a good idea to just kind of walk around the arena. It's going to be empty, so walk the concourse and do your entire intermission segment in there, but I guess that's not even going to be possible. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming too that this will look more like an Olympic, uh, style format. So, you know, maybe four games a day in each hub city and Rogers would be uh, broadcasting them all, whether it be all their own talent or not remains to be seen. And then I'm assuming there'd be a heavy studio presence. So you'd go back to the studio for the intermissions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, McIntyre and Sat and I likely would be more on off days and chief for that matter too to do chats to analyze or maybe post game to analyze what happened and those types of things because the the nhl to try to keep this as safe as possible is going to keep the bubble as tight as possible and you can understand why you don't want to have to have extra tests for broadcasters and such so i think that as long as play gets started you know i'll be able to do something but it won't be around the players it'll probably be more just uh, uh panels and stuff on off days or post game now, Cheech, I'll ask you, as a former player, some players, well, Drew Dilly has said that whoever wins the Cup, there's going to be an asterisk uh, attached to it. What's your opinion on that? Because I heard, you know, Murph was talking to Ryan Johansson, and he said that's absolute BS. And yeah, oh, I agree. Repeated that oh, I agree. It's easy for Drew Dowdy to say now that the Yellow Kings are out of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. know, that's easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's an asterisk beside it. How about the uh, New Jersey Devils in the lockout year where there was – uh, they played 48 games and then won the Stanley Cup. Is, is there an asterisk beside that? No. It's uh, uh, a competition. I think this one is going to be even harder, uh, more difficult, because you've got the play-in round first, and that's a three out of five. And then you've got the regular four series where you're playing a four best of seven, and you're going to be away. You don't have the home ice advantage. Uh, you don't have the fans in your building to give you the edge. I, I think this one's going to be even harder to win. Yeah, yeah not I, only that, not only that, but you're going to have teams are going to have to play games at noon, at three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, weird, weird game times, weird start times, um, and you know that's going to make it more difficult as well. So I, I kind of agree with with Cheech because it's you know uh, like the Blackhawks won in the lockout shortened season as well, but uh, the play you, you played right in the playoffs. This halt happened you know, three quarters of the way through the season, then you take a few months break, and then you try to get back into it and get up to, to top speed. So whoever wins this thing, they're gonna, it's going to be well-earned, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree with both of you there. But, Chief, you mentioned the play-in round, and I know both of you have had the chance to watch the Wild against the Canucks this season, so we do know it's going to be the Minnesota Wild in that play-in round when, when hockey returns. What do you think about the matchup, and what do you think the Canucks kind of need to really focus in on to win that series? Well, I really think it's uh, going to be hard to tell because of the long layoff. Uh, you've got uh, the Wild were on a roll because Kevin Fiala was just on fire. He, everything he shot was going in, and Alex Stalock played seven of their last eight games. Mm. Is he going to be their starting goalie in the playoffs? Whereas the Canucks had Thatcher Demko playing, and uh, Jacob Markstrom was hurt, but now Jacob will be back, and he'll be the guy for the Canucks. I really think it's going to come down to which goalie gets the hottest and which guy can catch fire. If you can get your power player, one player in a 3 out of 5 series, like Fiala was for the Wild at the end, 
that'll be the difference. And uh, I know Murph, you tweeted about the odds that the Wild are favored. I, I really think it's a toss-up uh, mm-hmm. just because of the short series and the long layoff. And not, not much separated these two teams if you look at all the numbers from the regular season. Uh, of course, Minnesota had a terrible start and coaching change, and must not forget they sold off uh, Zucker at the deadline. Uh, but, um, you know, most people just automatically assume that Canucks are the better teams if you look at their high-end talent. But uh, Minnesota's top four defense are excellent. Um, and really, that top line, as she said, it had Greenway, I think, on it with Stahl and Fiala. I'm, I'm sure that uh, Edison will likely load it up with Parise instead of Greenway, but we'll see. But uh, there's more talent there than we tend to give credit for just because of the start they had. Mm. Uh, but they had a great uh, second half of the season. Um, and they've got some big uh, forwards that, uh, quite frankly, would be tough to deal with in the playoffs. Guys like Foligno and Erickson Eck. Um, so I think that, uh, like you said, I think it's a coin flip if you're, if you're asking me. Yeah, and you know, you bring up, you guys both kind of brought up a good point that it is a five game series. And I think that, you know, goaltending can be something that can win you any five game series. It's, it's similar to what pitching can do in a baseball series, right? But Cheech, I'm curious what you think about a guy like Jacob Markstrom, who's, you know, been able to skate quite a bit, play a little bit of hockey over in Sweden since they've had a limited amount of shutdowns over there throughout this COVID. Um, do you think that, it's going to be tough for him to come back or a guy that was kind of already battling injury when it might be a little bit easier for a goaltender like that to come back into the playoffs? No, I think it'll be easier for him because uh, he was he's had such a great season. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, if you're picking the MVP on the Canucks, even though he missed those games uh, towards the end of, and you hate to say the end of the season when it's game 60 through 70, but uh, he would be the MVP of the Canucks and, uh, he comes back, he's healthy, he's had all this rest, uh, and he's the undisputed number one, whereas when you look at Minnesota's goaltending, uh, do you go with Stalock as your guy or uh, Devin Dubnik? Mm. I, I think in the back of your mind, and especially if, if you're a goalie, uh, I remember playing a, in a best-of-five series with the Canucks way back when, and we were playing Calgary, and Richard Brodeur was the goalie. I was the backup, and we lost the first two games, so Roger Nielsen threw me in, and I won a game. So uh, the series was 2-1 to one for Calgary. Well, yeah. Richard was the number one goalie, so Roger went back to Richard. We lost the next game, but uh, Stalock is probably going to, if he starts, he'll be looking over his shoulder, and I don't think there's any worry that Jacob Markstrom feels that he's not going to get the start. He's not going to be the guy. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned the Canucks MVP. It's definitely Markstrom. But, you know, they had three guys that could also be in that conversation. JT Miller, Elias Pedersen, and Quip Hughes. For Pedersen and Hughes, it's their first playoff series. What are you guys kind of expecting to see from them? Do you think they're going to struggle or do you think they're going to step up their games? Go ahead, I'll start on Yeah, I... I, I Quinn Hughes doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to struggle in many situations. I just think that he's wired a little bit different. I I kind of feel the same way about Pedersen. I feel that they'll be effective players. Now, again, a five-game series, you can have a good series, play well, not have any puck luck, not have any points. Right. And the playoffs are very tough, very tough that way because you're basically judged on a game-by-game basis, and you're either good or you're bad, uh, mm-hmm. whether or not you get the points. But both those players to me, are wired a little bit differently. Um, I think Hughes can have an impact no matter what, right, because of just his ability to uh, you know, clear the zone and enter the zone. 
Um, so I wouldn't really worry too much about those two. Um, and then if you're talking about the other two members of the young core four, I mean, Horvath played in the playoffs in 2015 as a fourth liner. Um, and then you've got Besser as well. So uh, to me, if you're looking at uh, Pedersen and Hughes, I'm, I'm not really that worried about those two. No, and uh, especially, like Murph says, for Quinn, it, it's much easier as a defenseman uh, to have more space. And uh, he is a confident guy, very calm. And uh, for a forward like Elias, and especially uh, the home games and the matchups, it's a little easier for the other team to match up against the Canucks. And uh, the Wild did that, and Murph talked about uh Mark Foligno and Eric Finnecke and those guys, they'll be the ones that, and, and it's easier to get on Elias Pedersen mm. because he is a forward. Right. Uh, but Elias has that swagger to him that we've seen from his very first game. And uh, I don't think it's going to bother him that much, but it's easier to uh, put a shadow on a forward. Yeah, most definitely. And I think we're just kind of excited to get this chance to see this core in playoff hockey. You know, it was going to be a battle at the end of the season to see if they were even even going to get in, right? And the fact that they're getting this opportunity to play Minnesota, you know, I think it's so huge because this team feels like the kind of team that, you know, we saw it kind of at the start of the year and we've seen it through stretches throughout the season when they were on that 12-game home streak uh, win that they had, or sorry, 11 games, I think. But this team just feels like it has the chance to, you know, catch fire a little bit. And I think a lot of that is to do with Jacob Markstrom and this little bit of a break that they got. They're, they're going to come back healthy. So what kind of vibe do you guys kind of feel from, from this Canucks team going in? Murph, we'll start with you. Well, I mean, I, I don't think you can overlook two guys like Pearson, Toffoli, Miller. I'd even throw Myers in that group. Guys who have had uh, plenty of playoff experience and uh, some playoff success as well, especially the two guys from LA Kings. Yeah. Uh, I think both of those guys will, uh, you know, have a tremendous impact. Um, and you're right, the, the break to me, it's not that bad for Markstrom because all the other goaltenders are having a break as well. So who cares if the other guys played on? March 10th, and he hasn't played since February 22nd. When you look at another four months, does it really matter anyway? And right. I always had the chance to skate. So they do have, I mean, any team can get on a run, but I think that this team, positioned the way it is now, uh, is far more able or has a far better chance to succeed than in years past because of the good mix of some of those veterans who have been there before and, of course, your elite players who are the younger guys. And Cheech, well, I agree with yeah. that. Yeah, I agree with that too, Murph. And, and I think that uh, Tyler Toffoli coming over at the trade deadline was uh, a good get. Uh, it's just a good experience all around. Uh, get into that pressure situation right away. And uh, as you say, an eating can get on a run, and who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And on the topic of forwards, assuming Josh Lebo is going to be healthy for this. Where does he slot into your guys' lineup, and who becomes the odd man out? Well, well I, I thought, go ahead, Chief. <laughs> that, that's a real question, Murph. Whether he's going to be able. I mean, that was. Mm. A, I, I was thinking that he wouldn't. It would be doleful for next September. So I don't know whether Josh Lebo is going to be back. But uh, if he is back, I mean, Antoine Roussel struggled towards the end. Uh, if you've got, uh, especially if Michael Furlan comes back. Then uh, you've got a space, and you have to make a space for Josh Lebo just because he he skates so well. If he's if he's back at a hundred percent, but uh, I would think Russell would be one of the guys that you'd be looking at. 
I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, I've kind of tried to hash out the the lineup a little bit. And I mean, the top six is fairly easy to figure out. It just depends where they put best from the top line or to fully there. Um, and then your bottom six is where it gets interesting because um, Roussel uh, certainly looked to have lost a bit of a step after the knee surgery. He had a couple moments where he was good, but he's the type of player that could be effective in the playoffs. I think that Levo is exactly the type of player that uh, Travis Green would love in the playoffs. Big body, good on the wall, uh, usually makes the right decision, uh, hard on the puck, all those things he always talks about. So um, in terms of guys coming out of the lineup, I mean, uh, is it going to be uh, Tyler Vaughn or do you want him for the penalty kill? I mean, you actually have bottom six yeah. uh, decisions to make. Um, and I don't think you can give uh, Furlan the benefit of the doubt right now. I just don't think you can lean on him. And if you're the head coach, do you put him in the first game knowing that 10 minutes in, he might be out of the game, they're down a forward? Mm. I just think they'd be very hesitant at this point to, to go with him, just considering what's happened. I think he'd be, if he's healthy and he could play, he'd be very effective, but I don't think you can count on him at this point. Have you got Zach McEwen in your lineup, Murph? Yeah. I don't, just, I don't just start, but again, I mean, this, these are the interesting decisions you have to make yeah. uh, because, again, I mean, in the playoffs, he's, you know, he, he was the guy that went head-to-head with Foligno in that last game against the Minnesota Wild. A big guy with good hands, so I think the bottom six is where um, Travis really has to think about his PK. Um, I think he's going to want both Beagle and Sutter in there, even though we kind of think they could be a little redundant, but he's not going to take a Simon over the lineup. He'll keep maybe center on, on the wing uh, if Godet's playing center. So uh, I, I'd be very interested to see how he sets up his bottom six. Most definitely. And, and you kind of bring up guys like Furland and Zach McEwen. I think, you know, the if you're getting them at their best, they're going to be getting involved physically quite a bit in a game. How do you think this is going to change? Because it feels like, you know, with the COVID going on, and it seems like they're going to kind of take fighting out of it. I know they've kind of floated a couple other ideas out there, but it, it's hockey in the end, right? I feel like it's going to be kind of tough to play that out. Well, yeah, there, there's not going to be much fighting, but you still have the contact. And as Murph was saying, the, the bigger bodies and the grinding it out. And uh, the problem that all the teams are going to have is, it, okay, you go and you've got your little training camp, but uh, you don't play any games. You don't, yeah. you don't get into the, into the feel of it all. You're playing that three out of five or yeah, best of five series right away. You're just bang, you're into it. And, uh, I think that round robin thing for the top teams is kind of a little bit of a joke, but the three out of five, you better be ready. Yeah, most definitely. I think the, the three out of five is going to be very interesting. In the playing games, yeah, it's just, you know, it's like something that we've never really dealt with before. So I'm excited to see it. And honestly, just, just taking a step back here, it is, it is so much fun to actually talk about hockey for a little bit here because it feels like it's been so damn long. Uh, since we've been able to get into it and stuff. And, and I'm curious, like, because you guys, obviously, it, you guys are just on a road trip when the season ends. Uh, what do you guys miss most about traveling with each other? Uh, Murph, we'll start with you. <laughs> a road trip, Murph. Murph, a road trip. I take a back-to-back uh, trip to Buffalo, Detroit at this point. Um, uh, I think, well, what I, well we, I mean, I think there's, uh, you know, it's not a secret. We have great camaraderie uh, on the road. We, It's not uh, a lie to say that there might only be three or four nights a year on the road that we don't go together unless it's someone like Tucker or sick. So we're together all the time because we have a great time together. We watch games on the road. Um, I don't miss 
Cheech's diet during his <laughs> level at once. But certainly, uh, you know, we have so much fun on the road, but uh, I, miss, I miss it a lot. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, Shake Shack, Murph, I'll, t- I'll get you to Shake Shack someplace. Come on. <laughs> well, they do, well, they do sell booze there, so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, it's, it's funny because I know Murph's taking a lot of it for ketchup. Uh, I've gotten it a lot on Twitter for, for sour cream on a lot of certain things. Murph, what do you think about uh, sour cream on stuff? Is that too bad? No, I, I like sour cream on most of the Mexican foods, mm-hmm. and I like, you know, with nachos and stuff. Now, I'd, I'd still go salsa and guac over sour cream with my nachos but i have no problem with people that go sour cream and i I don't have a huge problem with ketchup only when cheech is dipping steak in it or putting it on pepperoni pizza that's the only time i really have a problem and that's quite often Uh, uh, yeah it is it is it goes with everything What's your opinion on seven layer dip? Because that's been a topic amongst our circle right now. Seven layer no, dip. Everybody's no, talking about it. No, no. And when you get down past three layers, and who knows what's in that? Stuff. Yes, I agree. Oh, I agree. Yes, Finally, somebody's on my side. <laughs> I love seven layer dip. Uh, I, I'm like I can handle it as well. But I mean, you're talking to Cheech when he goes to Subway. Uh, his order is. Uh, well, he calls it Italian bread, but let's be honest, it's white bread. Uh, with, uh, uh, ham and cheese, double cheese, double mayo, and that's it. No veggies. So wow, that sounds a lot like mine. That's <laughs> <laughs> good, isn't it? I, I could go for one of those right now. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes the veggies are a little much. I just, I just like the sandwich itself. Nice little ham and cheese. Get a meatball marinara is what I usually go with, and I just get chipotle sauce, and that's my whole order. <laughs> On the topic of food. You know, Vegas has been a place that's been thrown around as, you know, maybe a hub city. It's going to be hot when you guys go down there, if you go down. Uh, Cheech, what's your favorite place to eat in Vegas? <laughs> oh, there's a Shake Shack right across from the rink. Like, <laughs> oh, it, it, it's, it's 200 yards from the door that we go in. There's a Shake Shack. So we, we go Shake Shack two or three times at least when we're there, and sometimes two or three times a day. And I'll tell you another thing. This is how pathetic those two are. So we were there at some point. <laughs> I'm not short him during them. We were, we were there, I think it was at last year, and we went out for beers during the day and went to a, a place called Twin Peaks to watch the sports. And these two still talk about the cheese sticks from Twin Peaks. So <laughs> when the season got canceled, both of them were lamenting the fact that they wouldn't be getting their deep-fried cheese sticks from Twin Peaks that I've been talking about for a year. So that's what I'm dealing with. <laughs> Uh, cheese sticks yeah that's something that i think a lot of people have been missing through quarantine and that's another thing like they have that uh spicier sauce with the mozzarella sticks i don't know marinara sauce or something some red sauce but ketchup i mean you just substitute the ketchup for the with the mozzarella sticks (laughs) that's yeah that's uh, i'm fine with the ketchup as well and you know it's it's funny because we are missing we are missing shorty on this call but i think there's there's something about Shorty that really brings you guys all together to make it a crew, right? I think each of you guys brings a little bit of a piece to the pie. Uh, and, you know, I think that's the best part about having you guys. So uh, I'm curious, what is it that you guys miss about Shorty the most? Murph, we'll start with you. Well, I mean, I still talk to him. I uh, well, the stuff I don't miss um, because I, I, I've seen him on the, I've seen him on the golf course a couple times already. Um, but uh, someone uh, asked me one time, uh, who is more annoying, Cheech or Shorty? And 
I think if someone asked short of that question, his answer would be me, and mine is definitely short because he talks so much on the plane. You know when you get on a plane and the person beside you is talking and you don't really want to talk to them, so you just put your headset on even if you have nothing on? That is what it's like dealing with short on the plane. So I don't miss him nattering away about nothing on the plane. <laughs> what about you, and, your uh, partner? That, well, uh Shorty, Shorty worries about things too. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he worries about the way he looks. He worries about his puff and his suit, and he worries about his tie. Has it got the right fold in it? I mean, it, it, it's just he goes on and on, and I, how his hair looks. Oh, I, my hair is falling out. It's just oh, Shorty, enough already. <laughs> Vanity. I'm curious because you know we've we've heard so much about it. Social media loves getting into it, uh, Cheech, about your ketchup obsession and some of the foods that we see. Uh, but I'm wondering what's it been like for you uh, being at home quite a bit here. Have you cooked up any? Ex- have you explored the the culinary arts a little bit? Have you mixed up the diet? No, oh, no, uh, no, no. It's my wife and I, and especially well. I'm home with my wife, so uh, we have salads, uh, and, uh, barbecue. Fortunately, the weather has been so good that. We, we barbecue a lot, but uh, I don't feel comfortable. I know we're in phase two now, but I don't feel comfortable going to a restaurant yet. Right. Uh, so we take out, and uh, Murph knows that the Cactus Club has great takeout. And the Cactus Club that is near us uh, still has potato skins, <laughs> and not a whole lot of them do. So that's good. We, we get Cactus Club take out but uh no my wife has and she makes me walk every day it's go. just oh come on come on <laughs> i need a road trip Murph. <laughs> uh, um we went out for dinner for the first time last night uh celebrated our 11 year anniversary 11 years in a row for those <laughs> <keep track. laughs> and uh and it was actually quite good it seemed uh, fairly normal so that was good and as for cooking i've done a lot of cooking uh, uh, here in this uh, quarantine, um, and it's been actually pretty darn good from, uh, you know, uh, sticky uh, orange chicken to sesame beef and baking cheese, key lime pie, wow. uh, cheesecake, butter tarts. So, butter yeah, I haven't done those yet, but uh, <laughs> no. so I have been doing a lot of that with uh, my uh, my daughter. So that thing is, uh, that's been one good thing about quarantine is, uh, I've actually learned that I can cook and it's decent. It's not anywhere near as good as my wife's, uh, but it's been uh, more than edible. So there you go. <laughs> That's yes. all. You bring up baking, Murph. It's, it's funny because like, I know that whenever I travel around, uh, whether it's in the States or around Canada, there's always restaurants where I see like a dessert that I've never heard of before. And I don't know if you guys have talked about it too much, but is there a dessert that sticks out from the road that you guys have traveled around with? Well, I don't usually eat that much dessert, so I'm going to leave this one to you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I do like cheesecake, mm. and uh, any any restaurant that has cheesecake on it, I'll have a piece of cheesecake. And, uh, but chocolate stuff, any chocolate cake or chocolate lava cake, <laughs> I, I'm a chocolate fan, too. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think uh, most people are, at least. <laughs> the people that don't like chocolate, you got to ask questions about, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it's been great to catch up with you guys so far, and I hope that you know you guys are staying safe uh, throughout this quarantine. And, and I know Chichi mentioned it; you know, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not super comfortable going out and doing a lot of stuff in public yet. So, uh, it's been great to get you guys both on here. And I know uh, Quads has one final question for you guys before we close out here. 
We need series predictions of the play-in series. I'll start. I'm saying it's going to be Canucks in four. Canucks in four. I'll say Canucks in five. It's going five, and I'll just say Canucks in five just because the, the top-end talent and the goaltending. I think it's going to go Canucks in three. Uh, oh. I think you get on a roll quick, and you're playing oh, in the cow. same building, and you just you don't have to worry about that back and forth travel. You just you get you win that first game, and then you're on a roll and just keep going. Yeah, I'm I'm in the camp of three or four. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with three, Cheech. I love the I love to say that. That yeah, sounds good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, it sounds good. I think yeah, I do agree. I think if if Markstrom goes out there and you know lets in one or two goals in that first game, I don't think there's any stopping him after that. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, no, I'm glad no one said Minnesota, even though I know Murphy tweeted out that uh, <laughs> that uh, little graph there today. I, I couldn't believe that. You know, it kind of stuck out because I feel like the Canucks have the advantage in the forward group. I think they have the advantage in goaltending. And the defense, I mean, that you know, if they're playing well, that top four is good, especially arrested Alex Edler, right? I feel like that's going to be a huge key to that top four. Well, we'll have to wait. I just hope we get to see it, to be yes. honest. <laughs> yeah. I still have my doubts yeah. that you yeah. can get it done, but... I, I'll take any series you give me at this point. I'll watch it, and uh, I just hope they can get it done because I think hockey fans would love to see this season come to an end, and I don't think next season's starting uh, until probably late in the year or at the start of next year. So let's get some hockey in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Let's get it done, and hopefully it's August 1st. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Well, we appreciate you coming on here, and uh, I, I think I speak for all of Canucks Nation. Uh, thank you guys so much for everything that you guys do on the broadcast. It you know brings a smile to everyone's face, whether it's a hot dog being brought up or Murph standing out doing something crazy in the stands. So we appreciate you guys, and uh, and from Canucks Nation, we say thank you, guys. Well, thank you. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having us on. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for sports cards and trading card games. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50. And now, join them for Thursday night breaks at 5 p.m. Pacific time every Thursday and be a part of an epic case break experience. Purchase your spot on ZephyrEpic.com and watch the live stream on twitch.tv slash ZephyrEpic. And for all you Canucks Conversation podcast listeners, you can save $5 off your purchase with the code CanucksConvo. Some restrictions apply. Follow them on social media to be part of monthly conversations contests, and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And before we continue on any further, just want to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Canuck Conversation. That's right, Parallel 49 Beer. Uh, check them out on their street kitchen at 1950 Triumph Street. Uh, they're just starting to get back to reopening now. Uh, the street kitchen is open. You can also buy beers from them in the store there. Also check them out in all of your BC liquor stores across the province. Uh, a lot of great stuff coming up from them. They've kind of transitioned back to a lot of their standard beers, but I know that just in talks with them over the past couple weeks, they are about to start releasing some new summer beer so be excited for that as it's coming into the future uh, but don't be afraid to check out the monster pack as well 49 beers in one box so go out and check them out support them because they're a great local company here and they're you know throwing out uh, a sponsorship towards us a smaller podcast we really appreciate parallel they're going to be on board with us until at least the beginning of next year's hockey season uh, which is supposed to be september but we'll see what happens as that moves forward but we're very happy to have them on board with us and go out and support a great local company like parallel 49 beer fellas manscaped is here to make sure your balls are smooth while you or your partner are playing with them 
Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving your balls thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0 with cutting-edge ceramic blades to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. You'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Yes, you heard that right get 20 percent off and free shipping with promo code canucks convo at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code canucks convo make playing with your balls the best part of your day thanks manscaped McEwen into the goal and he scores! What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy shake. Alright guys, joining us now, uh, it's time for one last ride uh, with Corey Hergot, who's going to be stepping away from, from covering the Comets for a little while here, and uh, and I'm excited because I know some of the stuff that you're going to be getting up to here, Corey, and uh, and you definitely deserve some time off. You've been working your ass off for, for three plus years here uh, with the Comets, and uh, and yeah, it's time for one last ride. So Corey, how you doing today, man? I'm doing alright. It's, uh, it's a nice day here on the Sunshine Coast, and I'm uh hanging out in my shed and chilling and uh you know having one last chat with you two uh for one of these podcast episodes so uh it's a little bit bitter a little bit bittersweet but um you know i've uh i've always enjoyed uh chatting comets hockey with you guys so uh it's great to uh, kind of wrap things up with this i guess yeah no absolutely and uh it has been a long long journey for you i know that you know the way you started off with this was was reaching out to jd burke about the idea that you know this this was a niche market for the comets and you wanted to cover it and cover it you did Corey. you you were the best guy to to follow for comets coverage throughout the past few years of you covering this team and and i'm just curious because like we talked about it a little bit off air and you and i have talked about this a lot at length uh off air but you know the thing that you just mentioned that kind of struck with me there was you know the the fact that it's about the experiences right when you're covering a team and and you're passionate about the team that you're covering it's about some of the experiences that you get I'm just wondering, like, what was one of the first ones that kind of kind of shocked you a little bit when you started covering the Comets? Uh, probably the first thing that really sticks out to me was when uh, when JD Burke got me uh, access to development camp. Uh, the it was the Canucks. Uh, what do they call it? The summer showcase. I think mm-hmm. they called it at the time. And it was my first opportunity being, uh, you know, at Rogers Arena in the press box. So, you know, extreme butterflies in my stomach going in there and 
I didn't have a clue. You guys have both been up in the press box there, so you know kind of, at least when I was there, the, uh, you know, the mainstream media guys kind of sat down below and, and us kind of blogger types were up in the upper part there where the, where the food table is. And, uh, so I met a couple of the, uh, a couple of bloggers there. I met Carol Schramm, uh, chatted with her for a little bit. She's worked for Hockey Buzz and a number of other, uh, outlets for, for a long time. So chatted with her a little bit and kind of got her take a bit about, uh, being a blogger and, and then I met uh, J-Pat for the first time that day, and I met John Abbott. I had already, you know, spoken with John Abbott a number of times uh, when he was doing this radio show with, with uh, Dylan and J.D. Burke. Right. So uh, my first time meeting him face-to-face. So it was kind of kind of nice to, uh, you know, chat with those people. And then, uh, you know, the, the game finished up, and, and I was allowed to come downstairs with them to the... Uh, change room area where all the players were and and uh you know we got to interview a few people and the first first player i got to interview was quinn hughes so that was uh you know a a little bit staggering for me and i know that might sound kind of funny i was you know 40 40 some odd years old at the time and uh kind of being taken back a bit by interviewing like a 19 year old kid or whatever (laughs) but uh you know, when it's your first time experiencing that, my nerves were definitely up. And, and uh, you know, as a comments guy, I was asking, uh, you know, the, the kid who was never going to be playing in Utica uh, because, his, you know, his his skill level was such that when he was ready to turn pro, he was going directly to the NHL. But as a comments guy, I had to ask him if he was you know, open to going to uh, to Utica to play some games there if that's what he thought was was appropriate for him. And to his credit, he answered those questions very professionally and, you know, said, I'll, I'll do whatever the team wants me to do, uh, that kind of a thing. But uh, you, knew, you knew very well that he wasn't going to Utica. So <laughs> asking the, when I asked the question, I, I saw Jay Pat uh, was there and his eyes went a little bit wide, you know, like, he obviously knew that Quinn wasn't going to Utica, so that was a little bit funny to see that reaction. But, uh, yeah, it was a fun day to do that. So that my very first kind of experience in the press box and, and uh, you know, rubbing elbows with the, with the Kuzmas and the, and the J-Pats and Ian McIntyre and uh, Myra Lawrence was there as well. There, was, there were a few people there, so it was, it was a great experience. I'm just imagining the outrage if uh, Quinn Hughes got sent down to the minors on the Canucks blue line in the condition <laughs> that it was when he actually came up if they sent him straight to Utica. Oh, man. That would have been something for sure. <laughs> All right, Corey. Well, you know what? I, I got to ask you, you know, a guy that you've done a lot of covering and you've built a good relationship with him, with his family, is Zach McEwen. Kind of talk about how that relationship started and how it kind of took off. Well, the big thing for me with with Zach McEwen really was, uh, you know, my first year covering the team, they had, uh, as far as, you know, prospects went, uh, the team was pretty light. Uh, They had Zach McEwen there. They had Michael Carponi there. They had uh, Alexis Dowd there, uh, Cole Castles. Those were kind of the guys up front. Uh, On the back end, they had Guillaume Marisma and Jalen Chatfield and Ashton Sauter. You know, Thatcher Demko was there in goal. Uh, but as far as uh, forwards went, there, there wasn't a lot there to get, you know, super excited about in terms of prospects. Right. And uh, the thing for me is, you know, probably, you know, 15, 20 games into the season, I was kind of 
saying to myself, I don't know, I think this Zach McEwen guy's a hockey player. I knew nothing about him before, you know, covering him with the comments. Uh, you know, I, I had never read the, the article that Jeremy Davis had written when he was signed and <laughs> where Jeremy said that, uh, you know, Zach wasn't worth the contract and he'd be an ECHL player if he was lucky. And, and uh, you know, to his credit, Jeremy has uh, written a retraction to that and, you know, said he, was, he wasn't right about Zach in that regard. But uh, for me, it was just he was the first kind of player that, I've kind of identified as, man, this guy's going to be a hockey player. And then, uh, you know, I started talking about him saying, I think this guy's going to be, he's going to be an NHL player. And uh, a lot of people kind of told me I was nuts. I had some <laughs> mainstream people, the uh, media saying, I don't know if I'd be getting on this guy's bandwagon. I don't think he's going to be a player. And you're, you're maybe not going to look so good if this is the guy you're trumpeting. And, and But for me, it was just... Something about him stood out. Uh, I think it was his his work ethic, his drive. You could just see he was always, always working hard. So, um, you know, as somebody who had to battle odds to to beat cancer, I kind of, I kind of, uh, what's the word, uh, commiserate, or I kind of um, uh, connect, I guess, with people who have to kind of fight the odds or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Zach was an underdog, and and uh, I've been an underdog guy for a long time. And uh, you know, I, I I started writing about him and and talking about how I thought he'd be uh, you know a player. And at uh, at some point, I, his mom and his dad started to reach out to me here and there and say, you know, hey, it's uh, it's really nice what you're saying about Zach. He's a he's a great kid. He's worked so hard, and and uh, you know, we had the odd interaction like that, and then. What ended up happening is uh, when I went and covered my first training camp with uh, for the Canucks, it was up in Whistler, and uh, I had access for one day, so I, I drove up there, and uh, yeah, I was in the lobby, or sorry, on my way up to Whistler, I stopped in Squamish to grab a bite and uh, use the facilities, and I uh, checked my, my Twitter notifications, and there was a message there from Zach's mom, Juliana, and uh, she said, she asked me how long I was going to be uh, at training camp because she saw I tweeted out earlier in the day that I was on my way there. Yeah, And uh, I said I was going to be there just for the day, and she said that uh, Zach's dad, Craig, uh, was hoping to meet me, but he wasn't going to be there, uh, you know, till the next day, till the following day. And uh, which kind of bummed me out a little bit because I would have been, you know, I thought, hey, man, that would have been fun to meet Zach's dad and the, and the chat with him a little bit. It'd be kind of cool to get a bit of the backstory of, you know, a parent's perspective on a, an undrafted player, you know, making it to pro hockey. And uh, by the time I got to Whistler, uh, you know, hung around in the lobby there with some of the media folks, and, and I was telling Jason Botchford that uh, I had gotten this message from Juliana on my way up, and, and he looked at me and he said, wait a minute, is Zach McEwen's dad wants to, like, talk with you and hang out with you and, and like, you know, chat with you. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of cool. And, and uh, he goes, and that's the guy you've been like talking about for the last year, telling us he's going to be a hockey player. He goes, he's your guy. Yeah. And that was a, that was a really big, um, that was a big moment for me uh, for like Botch kind of hammered at home that, you know, this is the guy that you've been telling us is going to be a player. He looks like he might be a player. I'm not sure yet, but, you know, his parents want to talk to you. That's a, a relationship that you need to foster. So, uh, 
I ended up uh, talking to Ryan Beach that day as well, and he was the managing editor at the time for Canucks Army, and kind of filled him in on, uh, you know, Craig wanting to meet up with me. And then uh, it was a few days later, uh, Ryan messaged and said that he had gotten me access to uh, the it was the uh, Flyers and the, and the Canucks preseason game, and uh, maybe I could get my interview then if Craig was going to be around. So we uh, we set it up. I got to go in for that, and, and which was, a, you know, another fantastic experience to sit in the press box for a preseason game and, and uh, to actually meet Craig and, and you know, kind of get our relationship started. And it's, you know, obviously one that I'm going to, I'm going to miss, um, you know, when you've got a, when you've got a, when you're watching Zach McEwen out there uh, having an incredible game with the with the Utica Comets, and uh, his dad shoots you a message and says, you know, hey, how about that goal? Or oh, did you see that uppercut he just landed? Or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's uh, that's that's a pretty special feeling to have that sort of a relationship. So it's definitely one that I'm going to miss. And, yeah. and uh, you know, Zach McEwen is a player that I will always. Um, have a ton of time for Zach's a guy that uh, I'll be following uh, following him until he's done playing hockey. Uh, he's just an incredible person, and they they've got a fantastic family. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. And you you mentioned him a couple times there. Uh, you know some of the tips that you got from Botch. I know it's something that uh, you know after after Jason passed, you and I spoke. Uh, you know two days after we found out about the news on that big podcast episode, and, and we talked off air. We've talked a lot about this in the past, but. Um, you know, we saw you in, in the armies countless times, uh, whenever he kind of mentioned a little side note that he used to do, whether it was the provies or the armies or whatever it was called at the time, you know, there was a lot of comet stuff featuring you in there. Uh, and I know you guys had a good relationship and we talked about it a lot on the show, but maybe you just want to kind of talk a little bit about what botch meant to you because it seemed like he was, uh, you know, he obviously put a lot of people, he lifted a lot of bloggers up and put them into the mainstream a little bit more. And you're a perfect example of that. I mean, he, he used you for all of his comments information. Yeah, I think Botch and uh, Rick Dollywall were kind of the first, uh, you know, mainstream media guys to really, um, you know, interact with me on a regular basis. Uh, kind of even before I started covering the comments, I used to... Uh, I used to message Rick Dollywall fairly regularly with different, um, you know, I'd have different ideas of, you know, hey, is, do you think the comments are, or the Canucks are looking into this guy or whatever during the off season? And uh, he'd message me back a little while later and say, oh, I checked with the agent. Uh, yeah, they are looking at him or no, they're not sort of a thing. And, and uh, you know, Botch, I was just always, <laughs> I'm sure I annoyed the hell out of Botch because I would send him uh, stuff trying to get into the Pravies, uh like before I started writing. Um, yeah. Back in the day, I would send him, you know, 15 tweets every game trying to get into the Pravies. <laughs> and there was one season there, a um, couple of years before I started writing, I think if you went back and looked... I think I was in just about every Provis except for the ones maybe that Wyatt was writing at the time. Yeah. Botch, um, somebody mentioned something to Botch, like tweeted to Botch, okay, enough of Corey and the Provis or something. <laughs> and and uh, Botch tweeted back something to the effect of he seems to he seems to have the voice of the Provis or he seems to know the voice of the something along those lines. And that really kind of, stunned me a little bit and i'm like holy crap like 
he's actually paying attention to to what I'm saying. He's not just throwing my stuff in his in his uh, in his provies because it was maybe a little bit funny or whatever. So uh, you know, every once in a while he would uh, shoot me a message because I was doing a lot of Photoshop stuff at the time, and he would shoot me a message and say. Uh, uh, one time in particular, he said uh, the Canucks were playing a, a game of, um, uh, what the heck is it, like headbands or something? Like, I can't remember what that game was they were playing. Yeah. But he said uh, the movie that they were trying to um, guess was Dumb and Dumber. And I think it was BX that said uh, Cass and Cassier and people guessed dumb and dumber. So, uh, we, Botch asked me to do like a, a Photoshop of Zach Cassian as the two guys from dumb and dumber or whatever. Uh, so every once in a while, Botch would send me, uh, like a little Photoshop request and he'd say, uh, if you can come up with such and such dot, 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 what use? And then I'd come up with something, and then he'd, uh, you know, he'd message back, that's perfect. And, you know, that night I'd see it in the Provies, or I'd see it in the Athletes, or or whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, Botch, um, you know, he was the first person to get me on the radio during, uh, like, a primetime spot. I was, I had gotten to do some radio work with uh, with Dylan and, and John Abbott on their Saturday show with Rank Wide. Uh, I think it was Nation Network Radio at the time, is what they were calling it. And, uh, but hadn't really done anything, you know, during the, you know, prime time on the radio and, and Matt Sagaris was out for a week or whatever it was. And, and, uh, I got a message from Andrew Wadden saying, um, you know, Hey, do you want to do a, a comment today on the Sagaris and Price show? Uh, Jason Bosford wants you on. And I was like, Oh, holy crap. I get to go on the radio, like with those guys. Yeah. Wow. This is something, right? So you know, he gave me my first chance to do that, and uh, he let me talk all I wanted about Zach McHugh in that day, so <laughs> that made me pretty happy, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, he always had a bit of advice for me. He'd, uh, he'd shoot me a message once in a while and say, hey, you're being too soft on Trent Cole, hey, you're being too soft on Ryan Johnson, or uh, on the flip side, he you know, when, when I would be getting too much heat um, from certain angles for, for being too positive, he would shoot me a message once in a while and just say, you know, stick to your guns. This is you, this is how you write. So just do what you're doing. So, you know, I know he didn't always agree with, uh, you know, with with my takes on, on things, but he respected uh, he respected my uh, my attitude, I guess, towards it or, or just the way I went about my business, I guess. Yeah. Corey, you worked for, I think it was four managing editors since you started at Canucks Army. And I got to say, you were number reason, four. Is the reason you're leaving because you don't like the current managing editor? <laughs> I think uh, as far as my managing editors go, and uh, I, I, this is not to throw any of my previous uh, three managing editors. Oh, rank the them for us, Corey. Rank them for oh, us. Oh, I like where this is going. I like where no, this but is going. I, I, and I've said this, and, and this is a good thing and, and maybe a, a not so good thing at the same time, but for the most part, uh, Dylan and Ryan and Jackson let me do my own thing. And if for those that don't know, that's J.D. Burke, Ryan Beach, and Jackson McDonald. Um, you know, I, I was uh, writing for Canucks Army for about a month and a half, and I got a message from Dylan saying, you know, you don't need to send me your post-game reports after you write them anymore. Just read them three times, be thorough, and uh, then you can just hit publish. He goes, I don't need to keep uh, editing your work. 
you know, your your work's fine. And then uh, Ryan Beach, kind of, it was the same thing. I didn't get a ton of input um, from those guys. And uh, in the couple of articles that I wrote for Canucks Army, uh, since you took over, David, I, I did get some input, which I expressly asked for mm-hmm. from you. I said, you know, you're my managing editor. Edit me. Manage me. You know, <laughs> Help me out with this stuff because yeah. it's not always easy to, uh, you know, to go out there and and uh, and as anybody that's read my work and or has listened to me uh, talk on a podcast or on the radio, I'm wordy. I talk a lot, and when I write, I, I write the way I speak, and and that's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to read four thousand words on a on a post game report. But uh, that's just kind of the way things happen for me. And uh, for the most part, I was allowed to kind of do my own thing, which I, I really did appreciate. Uh, but I also um, I also wanted to grow as a writer. So uh, having that input from, from you um, certainly was a good thing for me. And, and uh, you know, it, it, if and when I get back to the writing thing down the road, um, that's definitely something that I'm going to want to, want to have at, at that time as well as, as somebody that can kind of reel me in when I uh, when I get rambling. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't take any feedback that I gave you the wrong way, so that, that's good to hear. <laughs> no, absolutely, and the way you gave your feedback is the way it should be, uh, it should be given, you know. You can, you can tell somebody that you like their work and, and uh, and still give them some some input on how they can improve it, and, and you can tell somebody that their work uh, needs improvement without uh, you know making them feel like um, you know like they're like they're doing a poor job. So uh, the way you went about it is perfect. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, quads Quads and I message each other throughout these interviews to know who's going to ask the questions, and he says <laughs> he says he's glad that uh, that he's your favorite. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, no, Corey. It's it's been a blast having you on uh, this show. Uh, I know that you know people hear our little fifteen minute hits, but they don't hear the the forty five minutes of us talking after every single time or before. Uh, it's been a blast to to have you on this show. For you know, it feels like maybe. Man, how long has it been? I mean, five, six months we've been doing this every week, close to that? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. And it's been, uh, it's definitely, um, it's been something I've looked forward to each week. Uh, it, you know, at any time I've been able to get the chance to talk about the comments, I've, I've jumped at it. I, I don't believe I've said no to anybody's podcast or anybody's radio interview, uh, to, you know, from start to finish here. Um, and I, I don't care. I'll play favorites. This is my, uh, this is my favorite podcast to, <laughs> yeah. to be on. I enjoy, uh, if I'm going to be talking comments hockey, I enjoy talking, uh, comments hockey with, uh, you know, somebody that's watched some games as well, which I know that you've done a fair bit of in the last year, uh, this season, at least, uh, Chris. And that's, yeah. um, you know, that's something that, you know, there, a lot of people have opinions on what's happening in Utica. And a lot of those people haven't, actually watched games or have only seen very you know a very small sample size so it's sometimes it's nice to have somebody else uh, to speak with uh that you can kind of go back and forth with a little bit on who's actually watching and, and seeing what's uh, what's happening there as well so that's definitely part of uh the a big thing that i've appreciated with being on your show that and the fact that you know it's it's a great show and and uh it's been fun to help uh, help make it grow a little bit in my own way. No, absolutely, it definitely has. It's been good to uh, to to argue about Oli Olevi. I feel like that's been our number one thing that we've <laughs> argued about on this show so far in the radio hits. 
Um, but yeah, Corey, it, it's been a blast for me too. I think, you know, adding you and adding quads in the past little bit here has just been, you know, great for the show's growth. Uh, I know I get it all the time. People, if they're DMing me or tweeting at me, like they listen and they love hearing the Utica comment stuff with you involved in it. And, uh, I know it's, it's, you know, I got to say thank you because a lot of people don't know this, but, um, one of the reasons this show is so successful, um, was actually that, that night that they had for the media, um, for Jason Botchford Memorial that we had there at the sports bar, uh, you were the you were the person that got me invited to that. I remember seeing the emails of you asking because you were invited. Ryan Beach was invited from Canucks Army, and that was it. But I saw your your email back to Ryan and to Trevor uh, Trevor Martin from TSN, and you you said Chris Favor should be there. Uh, and for people who don't know, you know, I, I went to that and I got an opportunity to meet everybody in Vancouver media that night. Uh, and it wouldn't have happened without you. So a lot of the success for myself and this show, I owe a lot of that to you. And, you know, it seems like when somebody does a situation like what you're doing and just taking a little bit of break or walking away, everyone always says that, you know, oh, he's the nicest guy. But, you know, I really mean it, Corey. Uh, you're one of the nicest guys that I've ever met on the Internet. <laughs> uh, I still remember meeting you for the first time at the Pint uh, and, you know, just getting an opportunity to chat with you. And I was happy because I sweat a ton when I'm in a when I'm in a hot bar. <laughs> and I think you might be the only guy who battles me for the sweatiest guy in the bar. So I appreciate that. And uh, and just everything that you've done for me ever since, you know, we we first started DMing each other. It's been incredible. And and I'm not just saying because you're walking away. You are one of the nicest guys uh, that I've ever met throughout the Internet. Well, I, I appreciate that, Chris. Even even the sweaty comment. <laughs> um, the, you know, the thing is, is uh, you know, Botch uh, helped me out. Um, you know, Sat Satyar Shaw has helped me out a ton. Matt Sakaris, Blake Price, uh, Jay Pat, Brendan Bachelor, all these guys in the mainstream media have, have uh, done their own thing to kind of help me out and and. Uh, you know, for me, it was just helping kind of pay that forward if there was a way that I can help people out. And I'm still going to do that if anybody, my DMs are open. If anybody has any questions uh, that they think I can help with, fire away. I'm, I'm always around for that. But it was, uh, for me, it was just paying it forward, Chris, and, and uh, recognizing that, uh, you know, you were a person who was who was putting in the work. And, and that, did, that deserves some recognition. And, uh you know, we spoke about it a little bit off the air. Um, a lot of work. I think a lot more work goes into what we do than than yeah. than a lot of the readers kind of know or realize. Uh, I think the the compensation for that work is is nowhere near what probably a lot of people think it might be <laughs> for for what we do. Yeah. And uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not making this into you know we don't get paid enough kind of a thing. And what I'm saying is. If you're going to do this job and do it properly, uh, you have to dedicate and commit yourself. And uh, it's a lot of time and it's a lot of effort. And you really, really have to be passionate about it if you're doing a good job. And, and I recognize that with you, that you're, you know, you're very passionate about covering this team, uh, that you do put in the work and, and you do a fantastic job. And, and if there was a way that I could, uh, you know, help help you move your you know your platform forward or help you uh you know get onto a bigger platform or or whatever the case may be that's that's definitely what i wanted to do and i'm just i'm glad to uh i'm glad like i said that i was able to help uh, just be a little part of helping your your show grow and and helping you uh you know meet a few more people and, and get your foot in the door because what you know for some people, once your foot is in the door, that's all it's going to take because yeah. the work ethic is there. 
to back it up. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, I'm going to bring his name up again, but it's like the big fella, right? Uh, people didn't maybe give him a chance, but yeah. he, he put in the work, right? Uh, when, when, uh, preparation meets opportunity, good things can happen. And, and I think that's, uh, that's where it is with you and with your show and with quads now taking over Canucks army as a managing editor. Like, uh, that's kind of the one thing where I'm, you know, I'm watching way at a time right now where there's not a lot of comments, uh, information to, to pump out and there, there's not a lot going on in the hockey world, but I'm, I'm also like, this is really bittersweet. This is really, I ag- agonized over this, uh, for quite a while because, you know, I'm seeing a couple of young guys, uh, you know, just getting going here in, in U2 who are guys that I've worked with. And, and I, you know, it's not that I don't want to continue working with you. You know what I mean? It's yeah. uh, you, you guys are on your way up and, and uh, I'm really excited to see where, where things go. I, I know I tweeted it out last or earlier this week, but, uh, you know, I can't wait till you get your radio show. And I definitely want to be one of your first guests when you get it. Absolutely. You most definitely will. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll start off with Comets talk. I'm sure the Canucks fans will love that. <laughs> as they always do. But Corey, um, final question as we kind of wrap this thing up here, the final ride with you. Um, you're going to have a lot more time on Friday and Saturday nights. What's going to keep you busy now? Oh, I'm still going to be, uh, tuning into K rock. And <laughs> I, I, I probably won't be, um, watching the games, but, uh, I'll be tuning into K rock and listening to, uh, Joe Roberts, uh, call the games. Um, that I don't think that's going to change. Uh, I, I'm a comets guy. I've, I feel like I've got some family there in Utica and those, those people are important to me and I want to continue supporting them. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I still want to, I'm still going to follow the team. I'm still going to be paying attention to what's going on. I, I, you know, it's going to be a little bit weird after three years of seeing literally every game except for one. Um, it's going to be a little bit weird to not be seeing the games, but, uh, I'll definitely be listening in on the radio and uh, paying attention and, don't be surprised if I'm still tweeting uh, comment stuff because, like I said, I'll, I'm still I'll still be paying attention. I just I just won't be uh, won't be committing quite as much uh, of my time to it as I have over the last three years. Yeah, most definitely. Well, you're gonna have to uh, talk to the comments, see if you can get a little jersey for the grandkid because I know he's gonna be taking up a lot of your time too. <laughs> I uh, actually got to hold my grandson for the first time uh, since February 26th. Oh, awesome. um, just the other day and uh one of the first things i did was uh slap my comets hat on him and take a photo of him so uh he's a comets kid through and through and he's gonna know all about the comets and their history and, and everything about that uh the day he was born uh sven berchi scored a, a, a shoot a shootout winner and uh I say I've saved tweets. Uh, I saved uh, a couple of conversations that I've had with some special people uh, in relation to uh, the day that Forrest was born. So uh, yeah, he's when he's a little older, he's gonna he'll get to know about all of that stuff. Absolutely, can't wait for Comets Forrest to uh, jump on the Twitter screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that should be a fun one. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, with the name Forrest, he's got so much opportunity for a good pun to start off with. That's a that's a great absolutely. <laughs> awesome, Forrest the lumber into it yeah yeah <laughs> no doubt well we'll wrap it up there it's been uh it's been a tremendous few months that you've had uh that we've had you on the show every single week and i and like you mentioned this won't be the last time we hear from you for sure uh when that radio show happens you will be there
there on the first uh, first day with us for sure. So mm-hmm. appreciate all the help you've given both of us, Corey, and uh, and yeah, we we wish you uh, the best over the next few months here. But like you've mentioned, we're we're still going to see some tweets. I know that. Yeah, and and uh, just I'll just take a second and thank you guys again because um, you know when uh, when I did get laid off from Canucks Army, you guys immediately uh, kept me writing on your platform for uh, for Canucks Convo, so that was very much appreciated. And uh, you know, it's kind of allowed me to to kind of close things down on my own terms this way, rather than uh, kind of being pushed out the door. So yeah. that kind of makes me feel a little bit better on that side of things, and it's it's muchly appreciated. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh you know the big things that are coming from the two of you down the road absolutely well we are too <laughs> we're very excited quads anything <laughs> else you want to close out with here no Corey. it's been it's been a slice man we really appreciate all the hard work you've done and again joining us at the patreon and everything else you did it's awesome and you know what maybe on a bonus episode we'll just do keeping up with Corey and uh <laughs> see what see what's going on with you in maybe a month month's time hey that's not a bad idea and hey i still want that zach McEwen rookie card eh? Yeah, we, we got, got a couple. Like five of them ready for you. <laughs> I tell you, it's from our our deal with Zephyr. The most common rookie card we got it was um, there is like a a Senshinden guy that I can't pronounce his name, but the second most common had to be Zach McEwen. Like there are tons of these Zach McEwen rookie cards out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, drop one of those in the mail for me. Yeah, I want to showing up on my doorstep one day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it, Corey, and uh, and yeah, this has been our last ride with you for a little bit. But like you said, we're going to hear from you down the road. So uh, appreciate everything you've done, uh, and yeah, we will be chatting again soon. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. And a huge thank you to all of our guests and our sponsors on this episode. Again, John Garrett, Dan Murphy, and Corey Hergott. A little bittersweet seeing Corey Hergott walk away, Chris. Yeah, it really is. Um, You know, Corey deserves it. He's worked his ass off. Uh, For the last three years, he's been the guy that everybody reaches out to for comments, conversations. Uh, There's a reason I wanted to get him on the show every single week, and I mentioned it in the interview with him. Uh, I don't know if anybody in the Canucks media landscape has helped me out as much as Corey did. Um... And it's a lot of stuff behind the scenes, you know. It's great when when people with big followings are retweeting your podcast or retweeting tweets about you or, you know, even when Sportsnet's showed my tweets on the broadcast. Like, that's all great, but Corey's kind of stepped out of his way to come and help me and help you and, and you know, help this show grow. And, uh, and yeah, I, I owe so much to Corey, it's not even funny. But uh, I'm going to miss him every single week, you know. We, we try and get an hour-plus hour podcast. We're going to miss Corey talking so much because that, Corey knows that he likes to talk and uh, he's definitely been great at helping us fill, uh, fill some airspace here. So I don't know what we're going to do moving forward to fill his zone. I think I think we'll be okay, but we're like I said on that chat, we're gonna have to have a uh, maybe I said it off air actually. We might have to have a couple of Patreon episodes where we do keeping up with Corey and Absolutely. just uh, talk with him. You know, he talks a lot, and you know, you and I have both been on calls with him that have gone well over <laughs> an hour. So oh, yeah. maybe we'll just record it and see what happens. Let's see if we get some gold there. But before we close out the show, we did want to continue our little series here of talking about RFAs and what we saw from them this season, what we think we could see in terms of their next contract. And the next guy on our list is Adam Gaudet. So I guess, Chris, I'll start off here. Like, I've been really pleased with what I've seen from Adam Gaudet this year. You know, he came in in preseason and he said right from the start that he was going to work to earn himself a spot on the roster. You and I both didn't want to see Brandon Sutter in that third line center role. And although we did at times this year, eventually it was Adam Gaudet's and it looks like it's going to stay that way for the foreseeable future. 
I wonder what it's going to look like come playoff time. Again, Murph talked about the need to move Brandon Sutter to the wing on the fourth line, potentially, or maybe even the third line. But again, like it seems like this is Adam Gaudet's spot to lose as the third line center. And I think the way he's developed his two-way game and especially offensively, like what I've seen from him, I've been really pleased with like his quick release and just, you know, kind of seeing him get more confident and we're kind of seeing like, okay, this is why this guy won the Hobie Baker award. Like Mm -hmm. it all kind of makes sense now. And again, like I've been really pleased with him. So my question to you, Chris is what is his next contract going to look like? Yeah, it's okay. So Adam Gaudet is the perfect center for me moving forward with this Canucks team first of all I just want to say because he's going to be a guy who's going to contribute offensively he's going to change what the bottom six needs to do to get into a future you know what what third lines are going to look like in the future are guys that are centered you know are lines that are centered with guys like Adam Gaudet I mean he's a guy who can score goals at five on five he can drive the play at five on five he probably needs to improve a little bit in his defensive zone but man when he gets on the power play I seriously think that's where Adam Gaudet is the best I think when he's on the second power play unit and he's going up against you know tired penalty killers or the second group of penalty killers that goes out there that's when Adam Gaudet's at his best every single goal scored by the second power play unit this year had Adam Gaudet on the ice for. And we saw that second that second power play unit, you know, go on streaks where they were so hot. Adam Gaudet had eight power play assists this year. Uh, he had four power play goals this year. And like I mentioned, every single goal scored by that second power play unit, Adam Gaudet was on the ice for. They didn't score a goal with him not on the ice. So there's a huge thing that he brings to this team on the power play. He steps up and changes what the bottom six looks like. We don't have to see Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle center lines anymore, I hope. Even though I know that you know Travis Green might change that in the playoffs, I really hope he doesn't. But the contract is so interesting because, yeah, he's coming off of you know his entry-level deal. He's not. He wasn't making a lot of money, of course, like whatever, 9-16 or something like that. This is a really interesting situation for him, especially with what's going on with COVID. He scores 12 goals. He has 21 assists. Pretty good numbers for a third-line center. He's what the Canucks want moving forward. So I'm thinking that it's, you know, I want him to be locked down for three years. I would like a three-year contract with Adam Gaudet. And I'm fine paying up to close to $3 million for Adam Gaudet, I think. I think he's worth that to the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and I mean, I I have to tend to agree with you on that. And again, like, I'm thinking it's going to be a bridge deal. I don't see them locking him up long term. I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see that, especially you know, with what's brought on by COVID. I think we're going to see something similar to, you know, obviously not in terms of dollar and year, but what the team did with Brock Besser, right? Like, they w- they elected to do a bridge deal with Brock Besser, and I mean, I can't really fault them for that. Um, I think it. I think it might be a good idea with Adam Gaudet too, but. Again, like the question has to be asked, is it smarter to go long term with this guy? Because we've seen how he's taken that next step this year. And I mean, you know, let's say the Canucks go on a bit of a playoff run here and he's integral into that, into the playoff run, right? Like at that point, does the focus become, okay, like this is our third line center. Like we need to lock this guy up because now you don't have Tyler Madden coming up. You don't really have much in terms of center depth. You know, you still have Zach McEwen who can play in the middle. Uh, Cole Lind got extensive looks in Utica this season as a center. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. But again, like in terms of center depth, like there's not too much. Like you've got Pod Colson coming up again, who's a winger. And same with Hoaglander, who's a winger. You, you don't have 
that much center depth coming up. So I wonder, like, is it smart to lock this guy up long term now when mm. presumably he's not going to be looking for a huge payday? Here's here's the thing, man. If they if they want to lock Adam Gaudet down for four or five years, I'm fine with anything pretty much in the number that starts at three. I think if you go over four million for mm-hmm. Gaudet right now, it's a little much. But yeah. if you get Gaudet for a number that starts with two, that is a ridiculous steal for the Vancouver Canucks. If you get Gaudet over three years at under 3.5, I think that's a great deal for the Vancouver Canucks moving forward. And, you know, sometimes we talk about these contracts a lot and we think, like, oh, it would be amazing if this happened. But, like, sometimes they're pipe dreams. But I feel like this is actually kind of possible because I don't think Adam Gaudet has done enough to earn a $4 million contract, but I feel like he'd be valued at just under $4 million. And I know it was Brett's article, right, on Canucks Army a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. uh, where he looked at it. And, yeah, I mean... A lot of the comparables for Adam Gaudet do put him somewhere between 2.5 and 3.5. And I think that depending on what the years are for him, I mean, two years at 3 million, 3.25, like, I'm okay with that. But I like the idea of having him here for three years, having that top nine group of centers, you know, whether it be Pedersen, Miller, Horvat, and Gaudet, like, that's that's a great group that I like to see play forward. And the other thing about Adam Gaudet is, like, I know I mentioned the power play. That's where he's going to score a lot of his goals. But you get into a playoff series and you have a fourth line of, say, Tyler Mott, Jay Beagle, and Brandon Sutter. They're going to be matching up against another team's offensive line. Bo Horvat line is going to be lock- locking up against the other team's offensive line. The Pedersen line is going to be locking up against one of their defensive lines on the other team. That opens up the door for the Adam Gaudet line to play against the worst line on the opposing team. And we see it every single playoffs. One line just starts going off because they're dominating the play. They control it with a lot more skill. And I think that that line has the capability to do that against a lot of teams in the NHL. So I think that if you can secure up that third line, and you know the Canucks have a great top six, but if Adam Gaudet's a part of this moving forward and you can get some wingers that work with him and you have prospects coming in that could play with Adam Gaudet, like you have to look at this top nine group in the next couple of years and say like they have the potential to be one of the better ones in the NHL. And a huge piece of that is Adam Gaudet. And if he continues to progress, like this is a this is an incredible pick. An incredible Judd Brackett pick. Uh <laughs> as we as we try not to talk about him much anymore. But a fifth round pick, guys. I mean like Adam Gaudet is an absolute steal for the Vancouver Canucks team. I don't think he's going to ask for too much money. And you know what? Like, and a lot of people don't know this, but so every every hockey team kind of has a guy that you know when a when a player bails on a media availability, whether it's going you know to see a sick kid or going to wish someone a happy birthday, they always have like a fallback player, and that's the player that's going to come up and and you know cover for the player that didn't make it. Uh, Adam Gaudet kind of is that for the Vancouver Canucks. He's the guy that's going to go out and visit people, uh, whether it's at the Children's Hospital. He, he's done a great job in the community. Um, he's the kind of guy that's just so great, so genuine, so nice to everyone that he deals with. Um, and I'm just, I want this guy in the organization moving forward because he's exactly the type of person that you kind of want included in your organization. Yeah, and you know, we were talking about Judd Braggett there. I think it's, I think it's also important to, uh, you know, when we're talking about contracts, we got to give some credit to. Chris Gear and to Jim Benning as well because you know when it comes to locking up this core it's gonna really come down to what it can they do with what they already have like Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson are the big ones like the all eyes are gonna be on the Canucks there when they have to get both of those guys signed in one yeah. offseason like that is not gonna be easy it's not but again like the Brock Besser deal wasn't easy but now we look at it that's a pretty good deal, like, what it ended up being, and, you know, like, sure, they had to get on a phone call and swear at each other for, you know, hours on end, but it it, it ended up happening before uh, 
preseason. Sorry, I was going to say training camp, but I remember he did miss training camp. Uh, and then again, you look at the Bo Horvat deal. Like that's a very, very good deal. Like I'm, I don't know. I, I think, I think you have to give some credit again to Chris Gear, who does most of the contract stuff, and then Jim Benning as well, who put Chris Gear in that position and promoted him to AGM. And again, like you know. Everyone tries to discount Benning, which I, I kind of understand, sure. But I mean, like, he did put these guys in the position to succeed and to get this done. So now, you know, it's hard to say that now that we see what's happened to Judd. But Chris Gear is another guy who, um, you know, props to Benning for getting him higher up and giving him some more control when it comes to contracts. Yeah, I guess the, the only other thing I, I have a question about Adam Gaudet is, so he's the same age as Jake Vertanen. Who do you think makes more money, Vertanen or Gaudet moving forward? Because I think that Gaudet, mm. you know, Jake has the chance to get back into the top six. He, I like when he plays with Miller and Pedersen, but that third line center is so important for a playoff yeah. team. Like, who do you think gets more money, Adam Gaudet or Jake Vertanen? Because they're both 23, they're both RFAs yeah. this year. Right now, I'm going to say it's Gaudet, but, you know, all the all the truthers on Twitter are like, oh, just wait until you see Jake Vertanen in a playoff series. So, who knows? Like, maybe Jake just absolutely goes off in these playoffs, and then his value rises. So, talk to me after the playoffs is what I'll say about <laughs> that, but right now, I'll say it's Gaudet. Yeah, and I think that both of those players, when you talk about them, are huge keys to what that third line can be, right? I mean, Jake can drive the play. You get Jake enough space on the wing, and he can drive the play from defensive zone to offensive zone easily. Adam Gaudet has the skill. He has the playmaking ability, and his shot's just getting better every year. And that's why that's why a lot of Canucks fans started to take notice of him was the stuff that he was doing at Northeastern was ridiculous. I mean, he scored so many. I think half of his goals came on the power play from the left side. That's why I love seeing what he does on the second power play unit. He is you know, the most focal piece on that group. Like, he is the guy that the player runs through on the power play. So I like seeing him there. I would love to see him as the second power play unit guy moving forward. Um, and, you know, like, honestly, like, when we start to get these other prospects into this group, that top nine really starts to get me excited because you have a Pod Coles and you add a Huglander. Like, even if one of those two doesn't make it as a top six player, maybe one of them slides in with a Jake Vertanen and Adam got in on a third line. And, like... I'm all for analytics and stuff. Like, you definitely know I, I love my analytics, but I also love watching a line that's just so much fun and can go out there and score goals for you, even if they let up a few and are a little bit lacking in the defensive zone. Man, like, the third line possibilities of, like, a, a Huglander, Gaudet, and Vertanen. Like, imagine watching that go up for 12 minutes every night. That would be so much fun. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, that's just a fast line. And <laughs> that's a line that yeah. competes hard. So, I mean... Yeah, it's nice that we're actually talking about the bottom six, and it doesn't consist of, like, UC Jokinen, Tyler Mott, those guys Legend. anymore. Oh, Legend. <laughs> well, do you have anything else to add, Chris, before we close out here? No, man, I just wanted to close out the way we kind of started this. Black Lives Matter and uh, and keep doing what you're doing down in the States. It, it's making a change on the world. Hell yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful way to close out the show. Again, thank you to all our guests for joining us this week for Canucks Conversation. For Chris Faber, my name is David Guadrelli. You have been listening to another episode of the Canucks conversation. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.